0: But it's also something that, you know, as we were talking about, can really, you know, sort of bridge cultures and connect people and maybe, you know, open up people's minds and allow them to, you know, start process of exploration and trial and, you know, kind of seek out some of these things that maybe aren't as familiar with them. So I think it's small in its own way, but I think those things can add up and really change people's perspectives.
1: Welcome to The Irresistible Factor, a podcast where I talk to founders and investors and retailers about what it takes to launch successful brands, from developing a compelling proposition and brand identity, to raising capital, to getting distribution, and more. My name is Christy Bridges, and I'm a marketing expert with tons of experience and a true love for all things health and wellness. Welcome to today's episode of The Irresistible Factor. Today, I'm joined by Claudio Lacasio, who is the president and CEO of Mochidoki. I am really, really thrilled to have him on as a guest. So thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me, Christy. I'm, I'm really excited to be here.
1: Yeah. So why don't we start by you just giving us a little bit of background about the brand and then about how you wound up there.
0: Sure, absolutely. Mochi Doki has been around for about seven years now. And, you know, since the beginning, the fundamental concept of the company has been the same, right? We've been looking to elevate the mochi ice cream experience, in the most ice cream category. You know, when the company was started, people are getting more and more familiar with this product, right? They maybe experienced it at a sushi restaurant or tried a brand from the grocery store. And there's a lot of interest in it because it's hitting a lot of consumer trends that are fueling a lot of interest in the category, right? It's portion controlled, it's handheld, it's low calorie, it's easy to have vegan options. And so, you know, it's kind of checking a lot of boxes for consumers, but a lot of the products out there on the market, we're not really approaching it from a quality perspective. They were more novelty in nature, right? So we thought, can we take a culinary approach to this, right? Can we really focus on using high quality ingredients, doing interesting flavors, and, you know, really making sure that we do everything possible to preserve the quality of the product throughout the supply chain. So we focus a lot on how is this packaged? How is this going to get to the consumer? How are they ultimately going to experience it when they open the box or the food service packaging or whatever it is? So that's been at the core of the business since day one. And and we went out, we developed our own recipe. So we have a proprietary process for making the mochi itself, which we're really proud of because we think it really differentiates us. We have a very thin layer of mochi on the outside and kind of keeps that soft, pillowy texture. And we've developed all these ice cream formulations that are very unique to our product because it's not the same type of ice cream you get out of a pint. It's specific to mochi itself. And you really want to have, you know, you have two bites, right? So you want that to be an amazing experience. You want it to be this very indulgent, rich moment that you get to have. And so we focused a lot on really perfecting it. And then we started in food service, which is a little bit of a unique path as a food company, but we went, you know, direct to some of the top hospitality groups, you know, Nobu, Tao, Blue Ribbon Sushi, who were really looking for a product like this, right? They all had mochi ice cream on the menu, but a lot of the products they had weren't living up to the rest of the experience of dining at that type of establishment. So we got a lot of early traction. We worked directly with the chefs. They gave us a lot of feedback early on to help us keep iterating and developing the product. And so we grew, you know, slow and steady over the first several years predominantly through just food service. Fast forward to 2020, which is when I joined the business and we were ready to kind of take the next step as a company and that was creating a consumer-facing brand. So, you know, I was brought in, hired by the founder Ken Gordon the driving force um, behind the company. And we continue to try to fulfill and execute his vision, but he knew he wasn't the person to kind of take it on to the next phase. And so I came in to really help drive the expansion and make Mochidoki a household name and get us, you know, more into the awareness of consumers who are enjoying our product at restaurants around the country, but didn't necessarily know it was us behind it.
1: I want to ask you a really quick question before we (laughs) move too far away from this. So talk about what's in the outside of the mochi? And then also what's the difference in the ice cream that you guys have in there versus what someone might imagine a typical ice cream to be?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mochi itself is sort of a rice dough or a product made from rice dough, really. So it's ingredient-wise very simple. It's rice flour, sugar, and water, essentially. And we make a sweet mochi for mochi ice cream. You can also make savory and all sorts of other types of mochi. And so... That's the outside of it, right? And key there for us is getting the the thickness right. And again, it's a steamed product at the end of the day. So preserving that texture. And a lot of that's through packaging and supply chain. And then the ice cream, so there's a few implications of the format, right? One is that the way it's made, you want it to be, like I said, really rich. And so most ice cream has a lot of overrun, which is essentially air- injected into the ice cream when it's produced, right? so we have an extremely low over on basically the lowest you can have, because you want to have a lot of flavor packed into that small bite. And the second thing is that because it's surrounded by sweet rice dough, we make our ice cream itself much less sweet than you would typically find. And so that's one of the, for example, I think a lot of other mochis, if you just use regular ice cream, the entire experience is a little overly sweet. And so we think a lot about the right balance there.
1: That's awesome. What is In your opinion, the level of awareness on, like most consumers, like I know people know it, especially people who go to Asian restaurants and have experienced it. Yep. Is there real awareness beyond that? Is it just at the very sort of early stage? Do you think, or is it sort of developed?
0: I'd say it's like right in the middle of that, right? I think there's a lot of general awareness of sort of the category. I think most people have either had it or, you know, honestly a lot of people tell me like, oh, my kids love mochi, right? And that's kind of how they get drawn into the category. And so I think, you know, a few years ago, we had to do a lot more explaining of like, what is the actual product? Now, by and large, people are at least somewhat familiar with it. And it's more explaining what makes our version of it unique and special. And I think, you know, understanding that it can be a more, you know, sort of gourmet premium experience is often a little bit newer for people. You know, but interestingly, I think there's generally like a very positive Feeling about it, even if people don't really know what it is. Like, whenever I say I, I run a mochi ice cream company, you know, the almost universal feedback is like, that's so amazing. I love it. And they might not know what mochi is or where it comes from, but they've had some experiences and they're interested in it. And that's where we really think we can come in and, you know, provide some more education and really get people to understand that, you know, obviously, mochi is a product that has several thousand year history, right? Yeah. But this is a very new and fun and unique way to consume it. So we think about that a lot as a company like, we're sort of bridging cultures, we're bridging, you know, an ancient product with something that's new and innovative, and really trying to use that to, you know, give people a new and, and interesting experience.
1: And tell me about your background. So you've been there since 2020, which must have been a crazy time to come also, right? What it was start bringing something my... to detail. <laughs>
0: My first week was the week of lockdown and was also the week that we opened our first brick and mortar store in Soho, which shut down after literally one day. And we were 95% restaurant sales going into the, so it was certainly an interesting time to join. But my background is in food and beverage predominantly. Family business was actually in wine and spirits, import and distribution. So I kind of grew up around that, grew up around small business and the opportunity to work there for a few years uh, coming out of undergrad from there I briefly in finance but very quickly realized that that wasn't for me and was pretty unhappy doing that and so took the opportunity to jump to a startup in specialty coffee called Joyride Coffee that I worked really alongside the founders there to build up that business and did that for about 6 years which was an amazing experience we got to open up branches we started here in New York we got to open up in Boston and LA and San Francisco and we were manufacturing cold brew predominantly and then from there came over To Mochi Doki.
1: Awesome. And how are you finding the transition from food service to retail? Like, how's it been going in your mind? What are some of the challenges that you sort of have to work your way through?
0: You know, as a business, we're in a lot of different channels now. We built an entire e commerce infrastructure during COVID that, you know, we had to set up the supply chain logistics and all of that. And so you're kind of running four different businesses that obviously have some overlap, but you know, they all have different drivers, they all have different cost structures and marketing strategies. And so, you know, even just when we do our company reporting, everything is sort of separated out by channel because they all function so differently. But I think there's a lot of benefit to that as well, right? Like, I think, you know, we talk to a lot of chefs, we get their feedback, we can use that to influence how our product develops, we have our stores, and we're able to talk directly to our consumers, because we're putting the product in their hands, right. And that influences which flavors we decide to release to the grocery channel. So, you know, I think we're trying to leverage that as much as possible. But it is challenging, because, like I said, you're really running multiple companies in one.
1: How much competition do you have right now? Are there a lot of brands in the space? Is it you guys and then some like, I think Whole Foods, I don't even know if they have their own brand, or they have. I know they have the big things in the middle of the store where you can just go and grab different flavors, but is that a brand? I'm not even sure.
0: That is a brand. Currently, Whole Foods mostly has Bubbies, and mm-hmm. then oh, My right. Mochi is sort of the biggest player in the right. space, yep. which honestly, like for us, it's it's amazing because they've done so much to drive awareness to really help create the category, at least in this country, right? So, you know, right now, I think it's in a phase where the category is growing so much that there's space for a lot of different players. Yeah. You know, we... See ourselves as pretty differentiated in terms of our premium positioning, right? There's not really anyone else doing it at this level. And, you know, there's not really anyone else opening up their own stores that are specifically dedicated to mochi. So I think we've taken a different approach to it, but there are, you know, a few other people in the category, which again, I think is generally a good thing.
1: I think so too, just because it's still underdeveloped as far as what people know about it and how sort of pervasive it is in homes, at least. You mentioned that. Well, you had a store and then you closed it. Did you do that again or will you do that again?
0: It just closed during lockdown. (laughs) Otherwise, we've been open. Yeah. So we have two stores here in Manhattan and we're about to open up one in Santa Monica, which we're really excited about because that's our first West Coast outpost.
1: Exciting. Super exciting. So is it just the only thing that you guys have in there, Mochi?
0: Well, so Mochi is kind of the core product, but we try Mm -hmm. to do a lot with mochi as the base. So yeah. for example, we're making mochi s'mores at our stores right now, which is a lot of fun. We basically toast the outside and it kind of crisps up like a marshmallow and we put it between a few graham crackers. We've been doing mochi sundays where we, you know, sort of craft a dessert out of it with toppings and really just show people that, you know, you can obviously eat it on its own and it's mm-hmm. delicious, but there's also a lot of other things you can do with it. And again, this is something that a lot of this we learned from our restaurant customers, right? We saw yeah. how are they displaying this how are they serving this to their customers and and learning from them as well
1: how do you market now like boost your target audience would you say
0: yeah you know so it, it obviously skews a little bit younger right so you know we're looking at like the 18 to 35 and probably a little bit female generally speaking but you know it's people who are seeking new flavors and experiences and you know we've seen that play out online you know i think the tough thing there was for frozen shipping your price point has to be high. So that's where like now as we enter grocery and we're more broadly available, you know, it allows people to try our product and find our product without needing to make as much of a commitment. So I think that's really going to allow us to go, you know, even harder and, and find more fans.
1: It's interesting when you mentioned the things that you thought were consumer trends that were working in your favor, and you talked about portion control and handheld, I was thinking what a great Way to sort of level up your treat that you get as a grown up at night, yep. like without having to open a pint of ice cream and have to deal with the temptation of having that <laughs> around. Right. I just love this because I always eat those. I don't know if you know this. There's a little tiny mini Dove bar, they're super hard to find. And yeah. I like them because there's one and it's yep. tiny and I feel super good about it. And I think this is the same, which would probably be a different segment than what you're talking about. Cause you're talking about people who are into interesting flavors and looking for new adventures and things like that. But that seems really cool to me too. Like a really interesting opportunity for you guys, because it's so gourmet the way that you guys have it. And also so single serve, which is really cool.
0: Absolutely. You know, as a parent, right. With my daughters, it's the same thing. You can have one yeah. mochi, right? Mm-hmm. That's our rule. They, pester me about it every night, but at least I can say you can only have one mochi a day.
1: Yep. Yep. And that seems okay.
0: Yeah, right? absolutely. It isn't,
1: isn't so bad. They're pretty small and delicious as I, I can attest to. So talk about some of the challenges you have now and where do you want the brand to be in a few years? Like what's your percentage of food service? Pretty high still, right?
0: Yeah. It's still, you know, a little over half the business today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we just launched into grocery, you know, sort of late last year. So that is our newest channel and really see growth happening over the last next few years. So, you know, expanding, you know, we've kind of focused a little here in the Northeast, which is our home region in California, and then sort of building up and expanding distribution out from there.
1: And what kind of stores are you in right now?
0: Currently, you know, more in the sort of natural specialty. So, like we're in Central Market down in Texas in this area. We're in Cinderella and Morton Williams. H Mart is a great customer for us. And we just launched nationally with Amazon Fresh as well.
1: Awesome. And where do you want the business to be in a couple of years? Like, what's your dream?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we continue to see ourselves in all the channels that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're not going to abandon that because, you know, I think they really contribute so much to the overall business, right? And, you know, we make our product as well, which is unique, I think, these days. So, you know, it allows us to continue to have fun and explore and develop interesting flavors. But, you know, ultimately I think there's so much room left for this category to grow. And I think we see there's an opportunity as mochi ice cream becomes more established for there to be a premium player. And we want that to be us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Getting consumers to know what it is. I think in another thing that you didn't mention, as far as trends go, there's just a tremendous, in my opinion, move toward making asian food at home which was not the case it was really i feel like that was really intimidating for people for a long time and i think pretty recently that's changed and that's awesome and that's a place where i feel like you guys could really have some interesting synergies right because that's what the origin is and so does that affect anything that you're doing or do you think about that as one of those things
0: absolutely you know and again as i mentioned like i think our product is a great way to you know open up those doors for people, right? Which I think is such a wonderful thing that maybe, you know, it is mochi, but it's also ice cream. Everyone loves ice cream, right? So take that and try it and maybe, oh, this is a new experience. I like this. Maybe I'll try mochi in other forms or I'll have this for dessert and I'll make ramen for dinner, whatever it is, right? So, you know, we think about in that context. And then also, you know, we do a lot of seasonal flavors and limited time offerings. And so like, we're about to release a pandan pistachio, right? So that's a new flavor for a lot of people, maybe that they haven't experienced before, but it's a great way for them to learn about it, understand it. And we try to do education. We try to write blog posts and everything as we release these to really kind of help educate our consumers and, and bring together these, you know, flavors really from all different parts of the world.
1: How are you guys going about getting the distribution? Has that been challenging for you or have you found it relatively, you know, simple? Seems like a complex process. Yeah, I I wouldn't describe it as simple.
0: Frozen logistics are tricky and expensive. So I think that's always the issue is that space is at such a premium that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah,
1: for sure. We need to have kind
0: of everything lined up. You need to have the demand lined up and the distribution and everything needs to be buttoned up and ready to go before anyone will move. And so mostly it's just slower than I think we expected. Thankfully we have a great product and we're able to get it in people's hands and they taste it, you know, they can taste the difference. And so from there, it's just a matter of kind of logistics and supply chain a lot of time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I would imagine you have to pretty much make sure you know that your velocities are going to be acceptable once you get in somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. How are you guys doing that?
0: In terms of ensuring our velocities? Yeah.
1: Making sure that when you get distribution, you know, a lot of brands that I talk to, one of the biggest challenges that they talk about is, having at some point gotten too much distribution and not being able, not, not been able to support it appropriately. And then for some of them, that just is stressful. And for some of them, that actually means losing it once they get it. So that's always a big challenge. And so I'm just curious how you guys think about that, how you handle it once you get distribution at a new region or at a new store.
0: For us, it's a lot about choosing the right partners, especially initially as we're growing the brand, right? We've had some opportunities in places that, you know, we had to say, you know what, not yet, you know, We'll come back in a few years when we're ready to make that step because we want to make sure that we can support our customers and that, you know, their customers are seeking a product like ours, right? Hmm. And I think Central Market's been a great example of that. It's done really well there since we launched. And then, you know, we as a company have been shifting our brand a lot, right? As we've entered these new channels and had a different positioning, right? That's required a lot of shifting in how we do our social media, how we do our digital ad spend, all those things.
1: Yeah. Talk about that a little bit. So how do you handle marketing? What do you guys do when you, like, do you do some customer programs with those stores or do you do your own things in those geographies or both?
0: Really a little bit of both, right? Like, so we do some targeted marketing just on our own to drive awareness and to try to promote the product being available in certain stores, for example. And then we work with the retailers as well to make sure we have the right promotions, also that we can drive trial, right? Because we think that's so important for our product. Yeah. So it's kind of really approaching it from both sides.
1: Yeah. And when you think about scaling, you know, that's another thing that I think a lot of people struggle with. So scaling is is hard, right? Because you've got to yeah. have everything under control and really know where you're headed. So what do you guys think when you think about that? Are you raising capital for that? Are you self-funded? Like, how do you guys go about that? Because you're established. I mean, you've been around for a while as yep. a food service company. So it's not the same as someone who's just starting up. And But I don't know, how does that work for you guys when you think about scaling and raising money and all mm-hmm.
0: those. Yeah, I mean the trickiest thing really is the production side of it, right? Because mm-hmm. those are big investments. Currently this week we are in the process of moving into our new production facility. So we've made a big upgrade there that we're really excited about and it was a bet on our end in the future of the business saying, you know, we're going to build the capacity because, you know, it takes 18 months at least, right, to get a facility up and running. And so you can't wait until you close the business to do right. that, right? right. The retailer is right. not going to say, no. "Okay, great. I'll wait till your facility is ready. They want it now. So, right. you know, thankfully, we're fortunate to have some really good investors behind us who have been backing that. And I think we're kind of getting ready to launch that facility and then scale and grow from there. And we have the capacity now. So it's about building, you know, the distribution. And that's where I think, you know, we'll probably will look to access capital, you know, sort of around the end of the year, early next year to kind of fund the next phase of growth.
1: Yeah. No pressure though, right? Sounds <laughs> <was> very stressful.
0: <laughs> Never, not not in this kind of job.
1: I'm curious when you mentioned that you sort of repositioned the brand when you started to think about retail. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: When you're primarily to food service, you're selling to, you know, chefs and people in the industry, right? So mm-hmm. you speak a little bit different of a language, right? And, you know, a lot of it was, you know, very pretty plated shots and kind of mm-hmm. showing, you know, what the product could do in that sort of a setting, right? And now it's, again, it's a product that is available to a lot more people that they can just get at their local store. And so, you know, we're trying to bring in a lot more fun and color and vibrancy to the brand and generate more of that excitement, right? Because there's just so many products out there and so many brands out there that you want to make sure that yours resonates. And, you know, we know that it's a good fit with this demographic that we're going after. And so we just need to get the product in their hands. And we think from there, you know, the rest will sort of take care of itself.
1: Are you finding that the same flavors and things that are working in food service and in really high-end restaurants are also playing well in grocery?
0: It's a little bit different. And it's interesting. We look at sort of the skew mix in all of our channels, right? Like at our stores here in New York, the vegan line outsells everything else. Really, But, you know, in food service, it's a lot of the what are sort of considered the classic Asian flavors, we could say. So like matcha and Mm -hmm. things like that. Whereas in grocery, you tend to see more of sort of the classic ice cream flavors like strawberry, mango, those sorts of things. But you know, I think, again, we're seeing more interest. We can see from our online sales that people, when they come to us, they seek out a lot of our more interesting and unique flavors, right? And that's actually like, we've done a lot of limited time offerings that did really well. And we ended up, making them permanent, right? So that's how we got cake batter, which is now one of our grocery flavors, things like that.
1: Yep. That's interesting. What's your favorite?
0: That's tough. You know, I used to be in wine, right? People ask me that question all the time. Like, It's so situationally dependent, right? It's like, what am I having? What meal did I just have? But, you know, I like to explore. So I tend to mix around a lot. Our black sesame is amazing. I think it's a flavor that,
1: that um, so people awesome. haven't
0: experienced as much and, and certainly sounds amazing. Uh, not as rich. One thing we really pride ourselves in is if it says purple sweet potato or black sesame on the box, that's actually what's in the product. Yeah. You know, we're not using natural flavorings. We're not using other things. We're actually using pastes and purees and powders of the thing itself. And you can tell the difference.
1: Yeah, that's so great. Is there anything... You'd say, having done this during a really stressful period of time to other people who are in the process of trying to do this, or new founders, or I mean, aside from the, you know, we all know the capital's tight right now and it's not the same as it was two years ago, and who knows what's gonna happen with that. But aside from that, is there anything you would say to have people maybe not make some mistakes or bump into some of the things you bumped into?
0: If I look back on the last few years, right, we suddenly had this massive e-commerce business kind of spring up overnight during COVID.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: I think that pulled us away from our core business a little bit because that wasn't really our intention to go as heavy in that channel. And so I think maintaining that focus, even as all these crazy things are happening and the winds are shifting, you have to kind of stay true to that North Star. And then I think like making sure you're managing your emotions throughout the whole thing as well, right? Like that piece of it is so important because it's hard. What we do is really hard. And, you know, I think one thing I've been working on and trying to work on with the team here as well is like celebrate the wins, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of difficult days. There's a lot of things that don't go your way. So when things do like really make sure that you take a moment to acknowledge that personally, you know, as a team and really enjoy that because that's part of the fun of doing something like this.
1: I'm glad that you mentioned that because you're very low-key and it sounds like you're enjoying all of it, which I'm sure you are. <laughs> and it almost sounds easy, but I know it's not. I know it's really hard to do what you're doing. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think you can get caught up in the highs and the lows and you could Absolutely. feel stated one day and elated the next day. And neither of them are really right. They're just passing feelings in a way yep. to building something. I mean, building something is really, really challenging
0: but it's also fun and it's also rewarding.
1: Exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the great things that have happened since you've been there? Like what are your favorite, favorite accomplishments?
0: So in terms of like the work I really enjoy, product development is a lot of fun. Like mm-hmm. just sitting around a table and this it's one of the most collaborative things we do as a team, spitballing ideas of what about this flavor, could we combine these things or you know, how can we do something like the mochi s'more actually came from we did a team offsite and we had a campfire going and we started playing around with it, right? So I think that kind of exploration in food and being around other people who are similarly passionate is really fun. And you know, I think launching the grocery line for us was a huge achievement. That was sort of Always part of the plan and got a little bit delayed because of COVID and everything that happened. And so finally, like when that box got on the shelf and we got to go into the grocery store for the first time and see it, like that was a really powerful moment.
1: That's super exciting. I love it. Anything else that you feel like you want people to know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is, you know, we really thought deeply about sort of the mission and values that we have as a business. It's something that we went through the process of explicitly defining as a team. And I think that really helps sort of ground you right and it's really helpful honestly when things are going well when opportunities come up deciding how to respond because again it helps the whole team be aligned and understand like okay this is the direction we're heading in right and so you know what we've spoken about a lot is like obviously we want to grow this brand and create a successful business but like what does that really mean and what kind of impact can we make doing that right and I think in part like we sell ice cream, it makes people happy, right? Like that might be the thing that, you know, at the end of a hard day, they get to have our product and that's just like a nice moment that they get to have to themselves, right? But it's also something that, you know, as we were talking about can really, you know, sort of bridge cultures and connect people and maybe, you know, open up people's minds and allow them to, you know, start process of exploration and trial and, you know, kind of seek out some of these things that maybe aren't as familiar with them. So I think it's small in its own way, but I think those things can add up and really change people's perspectives.
1: Well, I love what you're doing so much and appreciate your time so much. And now I need to get the black sesame flavor because I can't, (laughs) I mean, that's really cool, interesting sounding flavor to me. That sounds awesome. So I'm going to go seek it out. Where's the closest place to where I am in New Jersey? Do you know?
0: Definitely some of the H-marts around there should have it. Amazon Fresh, if you order through them, you can get it delivered. Yeah. Or our website. Those are always an option.
1: Awesome. I'm waiting for the big ones to come soon. I'm sure you guys are too. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's so exciting to hear about this. and I really hope that people go out and try it because it's really different and really, really good.
0: Thank you so much, Christy. I appreciate that.
1: Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Irresistible Factor. I'm Christy Bridges, and I can't wait to see you next Wednesday.